Episode 295 of the No Proscenium Podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from the No Pro headquarters, aka the kitchen table, here in Los Angeles. This week on the show, Layla Amir Sadegi, Senior Program Manager for on the Mixed Reality team at Microsoft for Altspace VR. I literally can't say that three times fast. That is Layla's technical title. Um Layla, you might also know as one of the creative forces behind the Unreal Garden, which was up at One Dome in San Francisco. Um, I I caught up with Layla at the beginning of pandemic, and where she was at the beginning of pandemic, and where she is now that we're entering into this new phase, like a little over a year later, are are it's just very different places. So we we go through that a bit of that journey. Um, Layla has a lot of experience in the LBE. Uh, side of immersive. Uh, and these days she is over at Altspace and working on doing events in Altspace. Uh, some of that came out of the work that she was doing with Black Rock City uh, VR for Burning Man last year. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into sort of the state of affairs with creating events, ticketed events in VR. Uh, we're also going to talk about the return of the Unreal Garden. So we're going to cover a lot of territory. Which is appropriate because we've been covering a lot of territory um, on the website of late. Uh, I want to draw your attention to a few things. First and foremost, we have an event coming up on Tuesday. Uh, Corinne Wicks of Willing Company is our guest for a forum that's focusing on the topic she's been talking about in a column series that we've had her been uh, we've had her doing these past this past week and a half. Uh, that series is called Crafting Immersive. That's also the name of the forum. Uh, three articles are out. They are these kind of Socratic dialogues, uh, and Socrates is trending, so good for us. Uh, these Socratic dialogues on uh, don't look up why uh, on uh, Crafting Immersive. Duh, it's right there. And uh, she does this with uh, some of the members of her team from Willing Company. It's a it's a it's a fun format, uh, and we're sort of continuing the dialogue this Tuesday. The event is free. Check out the links in the show notes. I encourage you to read the columns and then come to the forum. We've got about seventy spaces in total. Uh, there's there's a good number of them left. Again, it's free. Five o'clock West Coast, eight o'clock East Coast. And uh, you'll be able to do it from the comfort of your home. Uh, we'll use Zoom. No great lover of Zoom myself. We all know this it is a necessary evil. But this is one of those times when it's this is what it's meant for. This is this is good. This is good. So and it's free, provided it's a service to you. Um, there's also a, a, a separate set of pool of tickets for uh, Patreon backers still in that 70. So uh, if you're a Patreon backer, check the feed and uh, use the code we got there just so we can, you know, Keep, keep the numbers the way they're supposed to be. But don't worry about it too much if you can't find it. Just, just click the links. Click the links. Um, other links you're going to find in the show notes today are to The Rundown. This week, that features over a dozen capsule reviews from across the immersive spectrum, from magic to virtual reality, online events to events in the real world. We love to see it as things come back 
online. Well, as things come back online is something I used to say, but that is a totally different meaning now. As things blossom once more. All right, there you go. Uh, check out the rundown. Uh, it is super useful if you want to know what you should be spending your time and maybe your money on. Uh, with over a dozen, just go for that. Uh, backers will also, our Patreon backers, will also be able to find the recording of this week's Review Crew, crew podcast in the Patreon-exclusive podcast feed. Uh, Kevin, Laura, and Blake dive into their latest adventures. And remember, the recordings aren't exclusive, but the recording sessions are live each week in our Discord uh, and open for all to listen to. Uh, the Discord is open now. Uh, and at the end of the show, we kind of open up everything and let people jump in. And here's the other thing. Uh, sometimes we have a recording trouble. So, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff that gets talked about that doesn't, doesn't make it into the, the recorded version of the show just because things break down because, uh, the internet was a mistake. So, uh, <laughs> so come on down to the discord, come on down, use the internet, uh, cause the internet fails. That's, that makes a lot of logical sense. doesn't make any sense whatsoever, but it somehow works. If you have an event or experience you want the no pro review crew to cover, please reach out to us via pitches, the word pitches, P I T C H E S at no proscenium.com. If you need to know how to spell no proscenium, please look at your podcast reader. Um, one more thing. This is a bit of news this week. Uh, a lot of you probably got this in your email, but just as, as a reminder, if perhaps you didn't notice, or maybe like me, you get a lot of email and you can't get through it all. Uh, Gallo Green, the rooftop bar and restaurant at the McKittrick Hotel in New York City, is reopening. And the main attraction of the McKittrick, Sleep No More, uh, and, and the, the Gallo Green is opening like now, but the main attraction, Sleep No More, is now booking for a late October relaunch. I think uh, I saw October 27th as the first day that was available on sale. It has been noted that some dates have been put up before on the website, but this is the first time in my memory that the team sent out an email with both the announcement that the restaurant was reopening and with a booking link afterwards. So rock and roll, do the thing. It's all starting to come together. Um, one more thing before we get into the interview this week, and that, of course, would be thanking our Patreon backers. Um, we can't do this without them, which in a large part means we can't do this without you. Uh, we didn't get any new ones this week, so there won't be any like, oh, thank you to so-and-so for helping out. Um, and that's always a bit, a bit of a bummer. Uh, here's what so many of you can do. And if, if you can't chip in, and I understand, uh, you know, I'm broke too. Uh, if you can't chip in, <laughs> but you are listening, um, a big thing you can help out with is please share the rundown. The rundown is, and even if you are already backing, right? Like, I don't want you kicking in more money, but please share the rundown. Uh, that serves a couple of different functions. It lets people know we exist. Uh, it helps people find those reviews, helps people find those shows, hopefully helps those shows, the ones that we're spotlighting that, that we like, uh, sustain themselves, get those companies making more work, virtuous circle that just helps everybody out and it keeps on going. And so much of that hinges on folks like you 
just taking the time to share that out. So the link is here in the show notes. Please take the two, three minutes, uh, makes all the difference in the world when if everyone who is listening to the show did that we it, it, it would seem so much so much bigger than it actually is like like this world would like explode uh, so please 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 share that uh, and we do want to thank our sustaining backers of course they are Ari Hurston Brittany, Elaine, Emily Gillette, Lonnie Hanson, Paul F, Mark Balthazar, Samuel Mustry, Sydney Guillory and Jan Budman and with that we're going to get on with the show. It's been a minute. It's been like, I think the last time we connected was at the top of pandemic. And now we yep. come to the, well, calling it the end is is a little USA centric, but like we've, we've come to this new phase of the pandemic where uh, the States are opening up and, and you've had a whole journey like this year. <laughs> um, journey is certainly, it's true. You know, it was just over a year ago. It was right early in the pandemic and, um, and the potential things that at least, I think I reached out with some thoughts of, wow, we we actually might, the pandemic has kind of brought to to fruition um, this immediate hybrid opportunity uh, to be able to create cross-platform and provide accessibility at a level to the physical events that or a physical location that, um, you know, wouldn't have thought possible without it, if that makes sense. I don't know that anyone was necessarily thinking about, oh, we've just come out from behind technology and we're diving into uh, this new experiential type of entertainment and all about coming together and social and connection and eye contact and all such things um, to think about adding that digital layer, although that was an aspiration, at least for us at Wondo, was like, how do you create these extensions over time? So it was really exciting to see that opportunity emerge about a year ago um and see how quickly it's like blown out and up um i think it's been really powerful for our industry at least for immersive and ar vr i think i think the theater and what the potential of that's bringing in comedy music i think these these types of events i think are going to see significant bump and growth as a result of this which will eventually be hybrid i think as a model well and one of the things that you wound up working on during pandemic was um you were involved with black rock city vr so brc vr i wonder what if you could talk a bit about what you were what you were doing over there um as part of that and if that if that's sort of also led into what you're doing in alt space these days <laughs> um it sort of indirectly did um or directly did. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be pulled into the BRCVR project early. I think it was about April or May of last year. It was probably oh, that early. is early. Jeez. Yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah. it was right after like Burning Man had said we're done. And um, Athena uh, Demos, who we go back at least fifteen years, if not more, through the LA Burning Man community, reached out. And um, as 
wanting me to jump in from a marketing and PR perspective and help them with this project. And I hadn't been into social VR, let alone alt space before that moment. And uh, so that was my first entree in and had always, not always, but had been, and not thought that VR could, or at least avatars could create connection through eye contact. And around July of last year, a few months into the project, and as we are now, the city's sort of coming to fruition before the event actually comes, um, Altspace launched a new set of avatars and <laughs> they nailed the eyes. It's creepy and awesome at the same time. And the creepiness isn't a creep, like a, it's just more like it's so real that the expression and the way the eyes follow and that that creates that sense of presence and connection that I didn't think was possible in VR, at least through avatars. And uh, and that just blew my mind. It is funky because like I, you know, I I ran around Burning Man in, in VR this year, which and and the kind of the neat thing is because Burning Man was only online this year, you can say, no, I went to Burning Man in 2020. Uh, and, and, and you, you really did because the, the thing was done. Um, and the eyes thing in alt space was really kind of incredible. Um, Cause even though the eyes are kind of like, they're kind of darting around, but they're darting around the way, like, a person would if you're like mm-hmm. in like a, in like a deep conversation with someone like you're not just like staring at someone's eyes the entire time unless you want to creep them out and and there was just something at points i found myself almost having like a weird like out of body experience becoming aware of the way the eyes were it felt like i was really talking with a friend it also didn't yeah. hurt that their avatar they managed to make an avatar that looked like identical to themselves and i'm like isn't you it do that? crazy yeah. you could like start to see them as them yeah it wasn't for everybody i had to become like a blue guy you know <laughs> like i could not find anything that suited me but there was one point when like our our friend Lennon zackheim like we were waiting for him to show up and like coming like down down the the road is i'm like oh my god that's land i could i could see him by his hair i was like he made himself (laughs) to the point where like when i next see him in person i will expect him to be wearing like a gray cardigan because that's what his avatar was wearing that's that's awesome yeah it's it's crazy I mean, you know, avatars are a, are a whole topic unto themselves. I think, you know, the fact that avatars provide some people freedom to not be themselves or to be someone else or something else. Uh, I like to make my avatar me. I, I feel like I like me, you know, and I, I kind of feel like oh, the personality can come out in the avatar. Um, I think it's a personal choice, you know, how much of reality you want in your unreality I guess (laughs) versus um you know how much you want to explore or be or just be something something else and someone else and I I think that's the amazing part of this world so how so how did working on sort of the the PR side of BRCVR Mm -hmm. lead over to where you are with with alt space because and this hasn't been your first dance with Microsoft because You've you've worked with them before, and the Unreal Garden, which we'll we'll definitely get to, uh, used Hololens as mm-hmm. as its main you know 
mixed reality mm-hmm. device. But yeah, what, what was how, where was where was the yeah. word there? Well, um, being part of the BRC VR project uh, and being sort of front and center with the founders, um, you know, playing a PR role, bringing community in, bringing um, influences in, um, put me in a position that people basically called me up and wanted events produced in VR, in alt space, effectively. You know, their events are canceled and suddenly um, there was an association. And so I was fortunate enough to to have a few opportunities um, to work on other things in alt space. So it worked on the Baobab, Baba Yaga, um, VR premiere, the red carpet movie premiere, which was a trip to like have celebrity and press event in VR. Um, and, and, you know, really go from the traditional to the what's possible with, and I, I, I wouldn't say VR as much as mixed reality in general. And, um, and I, through that was, uh, you know, close in touch with alt space, you know, feature requests or hey these problems i mean we were we were effectively solving things that alt space didn't have yet that were necessary for producers um or for a creator to want to create these events and alt space is first and foremost a creator platform and so it's like well you need to be able to have the tools that are necessary to empower those creators and um I think they must have just gotten really annoyed with me, just like constantly <laughs> emailing them and stuff, and just be like, "Okay, come here and do this here, and stop emailing us." Um, I, I didn't see it coming. Um, super grateful it came back. I think you know we we saw from I think finally Microsoft and um, really paying putting a lot in their future into mixed reality more than ever, and alt space became an integral part of that. And I think. You know, with that came the resources and the ability to like bring in the teams that they that allow it to go to the next level. And so I'm super grateful to have gotten that call. Um, did not see it coming. And, you know, literally, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say this over the air, but, um, but put it this way, I got very, very excited. And when like two weeks later, I was at the Ignite keynote inside of Altspace in a headset, like seeing the cool stuff that's being done with the tech and knowing that I get to join this team and, and be part of that. It was just, I mean, it's, I don't know, you know, I want to cry when I think about it. It's amazing. Super grateful. Yeah. For those, for those who haven't done one of the premier events or didn't go to some of the kind of the, the big name events in, you know, in and around Burning Man, um, maybe, maybe fill folks in on just what part of the secret soft sauces there because you mentioned it's a mixed reality event and i think that's something that people people hear oh there's like a film premiere in in alt space and like okay so some cartoon avatars but it's not exactly that it's there's there's more to it these days which is really kind of a bit a bit mind-boggling what's going on in those there there is there's a lot more tech um well at least you know microsoft's got a lot of cool toys and mixed reality team in general, and under mixed reality falls the HoloLens, so augmented reality um, falls the mixed reality um, uh, platform that powers a lot of VR headsets like the HP Reverb. Um, also falls Azure Connect and AI and a number of other tools, alt space. Um, these. Uh, there is also volumetric and, and hollow capture and Microsoft has the ability and, and there's to be able to create 
live experiences to have the performer, the presenter, the artist show up live in an event and inside of a VR, inside of the alt space world with the avatars all there present in VR, seeing that performer on stage as themselves as a hologram. And the performer has a HoloLens on so they can actually see the VR audience. So you're fully present with each other, but the experience is truly live. It's not a video in, they are just right there with really simple, it's gonna get even more simple where this technology will be available to anybody at home. I mean, it's gonna, you're gonna be able to holoport yourself. It's not just, uh, so you can be a hologram, you can be live as an avatar, you can video in like, you know, others, or you can pre-record all of it. Um, but I, I really feel what's lacking and what's really important, at least from my perspective, is live. The live mm. experience, you know, still needs to exist. I think it's an important one. You can have a lot of, you can like then replay it 700 times afterwards. But there is that something for the audience to feel the energy of the performer and vice versa. And I think that's, you know, that's, once you can figure that out in a virtual space, I mean, it's, it's the future and it'd be cool to to have that merge with the real world where um one of the things that at the ignite keynote showed was the potential of what true hybrid can look like where live and, and virtual happening simultaneously and almost, almost spilling into each other it's a trip I mean, yeah the, I mean, the way it's the way it was already happening like there was there was at least one time when like diplo was doing a dj set Yep. And, you know, you know, I heard about it and I was like, okay, yeah, so there's going to be like a Diplo avatar. Okay. And then like the video made the rounds and it was like, no, it was like Diplo, it was Diplo. Diplo being beamed in basically. And it, it <laughs> just, it, it starts to alter. I mean, for me, it altered the sense of what was going on in alt space and it stopped being about, you know, a place we go, you know, to kind of tour around in avatar form. And, and it sounds like I'm making added. It did feel like a place like for, for connecting. And I, and I don't, I think there's something to a big part of that was like, you know, how much care and love was put into the core BRC VR experience and all of the different camps and how those manifested and then this idea of like, okay, yeah, you know, we're going to get Tipolo in, we're going to get Bertende in, you know, and not only can we see them, but they can see us. And, and that element of live, right? Like so much of immersive comes back to the, the desire of the audience to be seen and to feel that connection with the performers, which is, you know, one of the reasons why we go to concerts. It's one of the reasons why concerts do so well you know, even in a world where you can get all the music you want for 10 bucks a month, you don't have to do any, as long as you've got like a, a device, you don't have to go to a concert and yet people throng to them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it is amazing to see where this is, where this is going and what the potential is. I think, again, it goes to accessibility, which is key. I mean, we're now making accessible things and events and experiences that so many people would never have been able to consider. Um, and you can do it in ways that are authentic to its experience and not necessarily, I'm trying to, you know, you might not be able to recreate something 
as easily. VRCVR, Burning Man is, I mean, mixed reality or VR um, specifically in this context is for, was made for Burning Man. I mean, Burning Man is large, vast, four square mile radius or six square mile radius of space filled with camps and art and um, and more art and stages and all these elements at scale though. The art is large. Um, so it was perfect to recreate. It was one of those experiences that you're like, wow, you could have, I mean, you could just mimic it. It's the virtual version of it. This is, there's other, other events that you don't want to replicate, but want to create these extensions of, so you can allow a view into, but you couldn't necessarily replicate the experience in, in, in the virtual space. BRCVR is coming back this year, right? Because the main, it, it the, phys- the physical burning burn is not officially happening. That's correct. Yeah, there's the the virtual bones are back. Although the virtual bones were always going to be there, I think it was whether there's going to be a hybrid model if if the real player or a smaller version of it was going to come to be. Um, but yes, it is back, and I'm very excited for them um, for the potential. Again, we're getting to a place where, you know, hopefully for alt space, you know, we want to empower people to create and monetize events we want people to make money not just uh you know not just to to have a space to congregate i mean communities at the core of it and ultimately let's you know help the community um to help themselves in a lot of ways and brcvr is entirely an example of community they you know burning man has rightly so put tickets on sale for the virtual burns i mean not all the multiverses decided to charge i think some are like five bucks others uh go higher um but i think it's you know for, for having witnessed how much effort and work went into brcvr how many worlds over 200 worlds last year over 150 creators i mean the just the number of events i think the number of hours and the number of concurrent users in br at one time where all of these records were broken in in one event and um it's it'd be nice for that community to you know for not just to give it for the love of it but to like feed i mean there's it's ultimately keep the lights on so i'm really excited to see that there is an opportunity for these creators to to potentially you know at least cover costs if nothing else well i know our our audience would be really interested in how how that monetization is going to work so maybe could you could you break that down a little bit for us like what all space is doing on that on that side of things because it's definitely one of the hotter topics when it comes to like experiential social vr at the moment is is how are the different platforms enabling the creators to sustain themselves right right um you know there's i, I can what i can say is that ticketing is going to be the first protocol um and the easiest way um that is, you know, and that's something we're working on actively right now. Um, and I mean, just look at, okay, so think of a real event. What are the monetization opportunities for a real event? I, I would, there's, the virtual event has to be no different than a real event. You can do the exact same things. Ultimately, I want to make sure that if you can have a DMX controller here, you can have a DMX controller there, for example, right? It's like, ultimately, there's no reason you can't replicate the, the things that occur in a real event in the virtual space, the beauty is you can go beyond. And so I think the opportunities beyond the traditional ticketing, merch, sponsorship, uh, whatever elements, you know, um, 
uh, the opportunities like in-app and NFT integration, all these things, they're all in front of us. These are digital platforms. So I can't imagine that these things don't happen across all platforms, you know, over time. But um, for us, you know, it's going to start with ticketing and um, and being able to to have the community be able to actually monetize where they would like to monetize. And then other things will come into play. But yes, ultimately... We want to offer as much, as many tools as we can. I mean, in some ways, just knowing that ticketing is like actively in development oh is, my goodness. is is huge. Because I mean, there's there's people who are making some really amazing stuff, and I mean, we keep on seeing it in No Pro, and it and you know whether it's in whether it's in Alt Space or VR Chat or Rec Room, people are making some really incredible live theatrical events, and or or in like. Oh, Neos, right? Because uh, uh, I haven't done that one yet, so of course I can't remember it. Um, and yet, right now the infrastructure is is just starting to like come together for something as simple as like a ticket. Oh my god! Um, and <laughs> it's, it's just it's the difference between night and day. It's like difference between being able to like walk up to particularly a group of of creators who who might be able to get access to the technology because the technology is getting easier to get to get access to right you know i mean quests might be back ordered but at least they're not you know it's not going to be two thousand dollars before you even turn the machine on and into a free vr program for the first time but mm. like so now you got creators who have access but they're like yeah but what can i do and and can i actually help myself make a living doing this and and that mm-hmm. the answer is increasingly going to be yes and in, in mm-hmm. short order is I mean, you're seeing it across the board. Everyone's yeah. trying to help monetize creators or help creators monetize themselves or their content. Um, Clubhouse threw in the tips. You know, that's one way of getting around. Well, I can't speak on that behalf or any legal. This is not, I am not a lawyer. But yeah. I imagine that's one great way of getting around, um, you know, platform fees. You know, that's an added <laughs> complexity here um, in the virtual space that that doesn't exist in the real world, which is that extra cost of a platform fee and how that impacts the bottom line, the creator, the platform and everything in between. Um, and I, I, mean, I think that's going to be it's like the way like Ticketmaster, right. You know, like, mm-hmm. like there's, there's, there's always, I mean, even Eventbrite, oh, right. Like Eventbrite mm-hmm. gets you. <laughs> and like the, no, but those, the, are, those are ticketing platforms. Yeah. I'm referring to now you have to pay Apple too. Right. So there's a fee there. So I have a hundred dollars ticket, let's say just for easy, easy math. Right. And, but I sell it and my platforms on iOS or Android and I have to pay. There is an additional fee that goes to Apple or Oculus or anyone. Right. So there's that, which I mean is gonna, that's gonna be challenging. And I'm, I'm really excited to see where Epic lands with their battle with Apple over this, because that just starts to immediately eat into, and who who ends up hurting on that? It's generally the creator or the artist. Um, so it's not going to work long term. There's got to be a new new thought process here. Yeah. Well, I mean, on on that case, which I've been haven't been following super tight, but I was really heartened by there was a question the judge was posing back. It was weirdly enough they were posing it back to one of the epic witnesses and it was essentially well so if you know why why not go off like what what if they just put the link to a website back in 
right? Almost like the judge was like suggesting like, well, I've got this idea. Maybe I'll order them to do this. Um, and there's going to be so much coming out of that case that's, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Even the stuff that isn't a pure ruling, I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of guidance because the judge in that case is like whip smart. And, and particularly in a world where for, I don't know, I've been watching judges rule on this stuff for a quarter of a century. And this is the first time I've ever seen a judge asking questions that felt like, oh, this is not someone who just like asked their grandkids to, to program the VCR. Right. They get it themselves. Yeah. Right. You know, asking questions like, what do you mean? Why are video games different from when movies? Like, why can't you do something like Netflix for video games? Like the judge sitting there being like, I don't, I don't get you people, you know, <laughs> like, like being just like, oh, I use this stuff all the time. That makes sense to me. And, and that thought that maybe the store won't get, maybe Epic won't be able to get its store, but maybe Apple won't be able to stop, you know, the web, Amazon yeah. for putting a link right. in anymore. You know, and being like, oh, right. flip over, go to the web. You know, right. it's like, like this is convenient, but this is completely legitimate. So, um, yeah. And yeah, it's... I know. No, I mean, just it's 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 gonna be a um, it'll be interesting to see where it all plays out. Hopefully, it won't be a cluster and it won't turn like weird where now suddenly everyone's got their fiefdom <laughs> and you can't play within each other's without you know paying taxes for yeah. example and that that would be silly but hopefully we everyone just get along you know and be able to port between platforms and have various experiences why i go to the hollywood bowl versus the greek versus you know the wilton um it, you know these are very different experiences absolutely so alt space isn't the only thing you're 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 up to right now, but you've got you've got the Unreal Garden coming back in I guess what, fall, winter. Summer. Um, summer. Soon. summer. Very soon, yeah. Oh, very very soon. soon. Okay. So for those for those who didn't get a chance to catch it at a one dome uh, in San Francisco back in the day, and now it feels like it's so long ago. It wasn't that long oh ago, God. but like, oh, because of the pandemic, yeah, really. it's like nine years ago, right? Um, <laughs> uh, break break down what the Unreal Garden was for everybody. Um, the Unreal Garden is, was, and still is a mixed reality experience. And by mixed reality in this context, what its original rendition of the Unreal Garden was, was mixing layers of reality, which included the physical at one dome, there was a space that had rivers, rocks, and a waterfall inside of the building that begged to be built into a forest, um, adding layers of projections, both passive and interactive um, sound, haptics in its later editions, and then the core vehicle for navigation and layer of reality is augmented reality using the HoloLens which is Microsoft's uh, AR headset. Um, and it allowed up to, and we could still probably up to 40 people simultaneously concurrently to um, explore this magical world, this world of magical flora and fauna, also um, interspersed by art pieces that have been brought into this augmented world. Today, cut forward or fast forward, don't it? cut two fast forward um to today um and yeah right before microsoft uh called 
I, I just, you know, been fortunate enough to put together a little um, uh, funding for, get together a little funding to bring this back. And, um, and, but in a more simple way, I mean, we've learned a lot. There's so many lessons learned on what not to do and how not to do it, um, <laughs> that it should make, you know, the things we do a lot easier. Um, so much time, it feels like nine years, it really does. It's only been three since the start of that, but um, so much from that to, to go, how do we make this a far more scalable experience? Something that can be, you know, not specific to just one venue or location, but can go places and can be accessible and can eventually, ultimately, it's built on the Enclue cloud and Enclue, the partner um, with Edward and Wet Wondome, also partners here, um, they have a platform that's ultimately a creator platform for developing immersive AR experiences. And so it sits on a unity. And the vision initially was always to create these locations and then enable artists, empower them to be able to create their content and drop it in location through the cloud being able to see the space in 3d and and um and and i'd love to see that happen again nfts is another thing a few years ago like great you'd be able to sell digital artworks use blockchain as a drm you know cut to today i mean it's all it's all coming to fruition so the the unreal garden 2.0 is an evolved and slightly adapted version we'll still was bringing back some of the favorite art pieces so some of those are coming back there's some of the the, the floor and fauna is coming back. It'll be a little bit more of a narrative thread, not true story, but a connective tissue through the experience. Um, and a little bit more intentional, less interactive than before. You know, really learn from some things. You know, you're introducing people to new technology. Start there. Mm. That's the first thing. Don't start going into all the things you think they want. That's probably designing for yourself. And I've learned to stop trying to design for me because I want all the push push everything and look under every rock like true meow wolf alternate reality game style like explore and physical but you can have all that but i think at the beginning let's get people familiar with the water and then you know and then start throwing things in um and i think it's a way to also keep people coming back and keep it interesting and fresh if we can evolve it over time but it's a smaller experience in san francisco um it's going to be in the same space that the immersive Van Gogh experience is in currently on Market Street. It's in the same building. Um, and also what's beautiful is attached in the same building is also an immersive dining experience by our friends at Electric Playhouse who created co-created Feast with us at One Dome. Um, so I feel like it's a beautiful, and that experience is called The Artist. So I feel like it's really like this is an art space, immersive interactive art space that is... Um, being brought to life in San Francisco and and um, people want and need content right now, which is working in our favor is there's a lot of interest in bringing the IP and the experience to multiple locations around the country and the world. And I'd love to see it be more franchisable uh, in a licensing way versus having to operate mm -hmm. um, because that's a lot, a lot of work and a lot of energy. And if it's a digital thing that can activate a box, and monetize that box, which effectively this is. Um, that's where I think, you know, I, I love Meow Wolves and I hope Meow Wolf and all their locations and they continue to grow and never, those kind of experiences, physical build out, you know, true permanent installations don't go away. And they're not, not everyone, it's not highly scalable across every type of user. So how do you then 
take a dead mall and a few stores in there and be able to like quickly monetize that, activate the space, start to maybe develop, be a channel in for digital artists who can then, and there's, there's so much potential there again for the creator. Oh, I keep on thinking, you know, we just had all the fries, you know, get shut down and, and mm. they're these mm-hmm. wonderfully absurd places. And it's, it's really sad to like drive in Burbank past in the one that's there that has a UFO crashed into it, excuse me, a UAP is what I guess what we got to call them now, uh, crashed into it. And, uh, I don't know. I identified it. It looks like a UFO to me. Um, I guess unidentified. So it's part of you. Any, doesn't matter. <laughs> Jokes aside, like that fries is just sitting there and like, maybe it's going to be destined to become a, sp- a very large spirit Halloween store. But like, I just wish that someone was like, mad enough to like throw a bunch of money to let a bunch of artists go in and just give it the full Mars attacks, you know, and, and go wild. And I, I love that you mentioned dead malls. Cause aside from being one of my favorite aesthetics, um, there are all these places, spaces, you know, there's a lot of empty retail. I can't even imagine what's going to happen as there's this great realignment around, you know, commercial office property because of the mm-hmm. pandemic and you know what are what are we going to do with these things how are we going to like i don't know i was just getting this image when you mentioned it being a box and i was just thinking about you know it's almost like could you stick something on a pallet you know like there is an object there's a central object which also like doubles as the server for the devices and then there's like the digital layer that extends out of the central physical object and 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 just that idea so instead of like oh a big giant build out it's like no like here's this thing that can kind of unfold here's mm. this gateway to you know other worlds um, i mean i don't see why you couldn't do that and you can do that through a phone these days i mean although you know having your hand and holding the phone and takes kind of takes away partly from the presence and also the ability to be fully immersed but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, anything and everything should kind of be suddenly the manhole. You're in a Neil Gaiman novel. and Oh, well, really? I just opened that manhole and I'm out, you know, in London below or whatever it is. You know, it's a, I think that's all possible. And I think you can connect all these spaces and it becomes this just ever ending open source world of just worlds. Be kind of cool. I mean, as long as we don't get lost too much in the digital in the real, <laughs> you know, it's suddenly you're like, Wait, I'm actually in a real space right now. <laughs> yeah. Went really hardcore into a digital one. Um, I, I think I'm excited to see what comes. I think you know, for one of the things, immersive theater, and I think about that as a, a tough one in a in a physical environment because it costs. It's an implementation. It's you know, you need the space and the stage and all the things that come with it. Um, I think now you know, you social VR. Um, potentially future mixed reality has now is opening and changing the landscape for most theater. I think, you know, you've got, I think we're going to start to see, I, I, I think the theatrical um, industry is an important one to work with when it comes to building the tools for live events. Um, you know, because if you can nail that, you can nail the rest of it. It's easy at that point. If I know if I had to like, do costume changes and lighting changes and everything like control the you know things at the same time and make everything you know happen at once then 
everything else is easy. I know that I didn't mean to make oversimplify. <laughs> that is not me describing the work very <laughs> well. well. So no offense, anyone. Out there. No, but, but well, I mean, what's what's getting interesting is that the tool sets are starting to converge. I mean, that was something that the audience of the future project and the RSC was working on with like Unreal, where they're you know they learned a lot. You know what they did with Dream, they're they're created a show control system that would work you know, in sort of the native language of a stage manager, but for a space built in Unreal. Mm-hmm. And and then, you know, like I'll, I'll pop into like, you know, a fully pre-rendered, you know, VR animated short. And I'll sometimes just be like kind of really taken out of it because they haven't, the people who directed it haven't thought about just how to tell stories in space with bodies. Like I was, I was watching one that's part of the digital catapult uh, setup right now. And I was surprised that like for half, I think more than half of the experience, I was just looking at the characters butts because they staged it so that the characters were facing away from us and talking. And I tried to like get around them so I could see better, but one ran out of, my guardian or hit my table because it was supposed to be a seated experience. That was the thing that's really nutty about it. It was like, Oh no, no, no. They really did intend to have these characters looking out over a precipice and talk and deliver like a minute and a half worth of dialogue while they're not looking at us. And I'm just like, if I did this in my first year directing class in college, I would have given my teacher a heart attack you know, or I would have been being like really avant-garde. No, you don't understand. Like, I want people to understand that like, you know, this is not about them. You know, this is about these characters' lives, not about them opening themselves up. It's like, I can see, like, I've heard that justification of bad blocking in class. And, and you get a, but like the point being, you get a theater director in there and they're not going to do that. You know, they're going to cheat those characters out. They're going to understand that like, yeah, the audience yeah. is a critical part of it. A critical part of it. And and I think you were getting to a place where the audience can be such an integral part of this. I think, you know, we got to figure out some things like directional voice and audio, you know, issues. So I'm going, we don't want to mute everybody all the time. Right? But we're still, it's still how do you, if you're, if you're live streaming a performance and, you know, some somebody, you can't currently... To, uh, separate the audio of some person shouts love you mom you know in the middle of this like really epic scene um <laughs> it's like you know emotional and suddenly throws there's not much you can do so you have to mute the audience you know so you avoid these things but as an audience member going out with friends on a social experience i don't i want to be able to talk and engage and interact with my friends but this takes it to the next level of also like now how do i engage and interact with the show and yeah. you know, bringing the audience into it, making giving them sense of agency. I mean, even, I'm excited. Even just a simple like letting the audience laugh, right? You know, like right. from the audience all the time, you can't hear the laughter. And I mean, I, I'm sure you've given a couple of talks this year in like Zoom, and just put you put a joke out there, and just it's going to be dead silence. And it's like this is just the most awkward thing in the world. It's really. It's some of my, I've got some friends who are like, you know, organizers in in VR chat. And one of them, one of them was noting like, yeah, like, you know, giving talks to like, you know, gathered group of creators and like, 
everyone's everyone's muted so like they just have no idea how the talk's landing you know hmm. and it's right that, right it's hard no it's 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 i mean it, particularly if you're if you're a trained performer or you've mm-hmm. you know given a lot of talks like you know how important it is particularly right at the beginning that you get them laughing you get them on on your side you know you you get a sense of whether or not you've, you're taking them for a ride um, and particularly yeah. if, you're, if you're going for a long period of time and you don't have them at the start, you're like, oh my God, this is going to be the longest 10 minutes of my life. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's not just on Zoom, it's also in VR. I've been, yeah. I've moderated talks where I forget that the audience is muted and I'm just like, you know, I'm like, yeah, you know, and you went through some engagement questions and, um, and it's just not coming and you're like, this is really awkward. And- <laughs> What am I doing? I start performing for people up here. Well, um, it's it's hard. It's definitely hard. So I I, I look forward to seeing some of that um, ability to create that feedback. What are you probably like most excited about right now, uh, as we as we get into this new phase? Uh, everything. <laughs> like, <laughs> actually, fair uh, right now actually fair <laughs> yeah it's uh it's a crazy time it's wild west i mean again i it's it's so hard to be you know having just come through a year that we have and so many people having um you know just not 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 had the same kind of fortune it, it's it's awkward to celebrate you know what mm. this industry has gone through um and it's also in heartening because i believe that it's going to help creatives creators everybody who's who's been so hardly impacted so impacted so hard um but um in so many new ways so i'm i'm excited to see what's coming as far as what am i most excited about to see um ah I don't know. I can't. I don't. I mean, I do know, but I don't think I'm allowed to say it. So, I can't. <laughs> but um, I mean, just watch this alt space, as I say. But okay. just you know, the tool. I mean, I want to see. I don't just want us doing it. I know that there's some amazing companies out there doing some. I, I can't wait to see the next tricks up people's sleeves on the virtual side of things. Yeah. Um, I and I look forward to also having there being greater accessibility to all of this. So it's not just downloading of an app, but you can act, or it's not just through a desktop or through a headset, or, you know, it's not only video, but you have all these various options to simulcast in or out of an experience that's made for that particular device. So you get the experience designed for the device versus a copy of an experience on a phone that's meant to be for VR or something. Gonna be a slight key change here for a second. Um, but I think it relates to what you're talking about of like watching others, you know, you know, other platforms kind of jump up and step up their game as well. The, the, the degree of heat, which has gone around metaverse as a buzzword lately, it's like, ah, yes, now we've got a new one du jour. Are you, are you seeing that? I mean, and it's a word we've had forever. Like any of us who read snow crash back in the day, it's like, ah, we're back again. Um, Although I do like find it kind of media, it's a word I want to throw out the window. But oh yeah. well, yeah, <laughs> we don't say the T word around here. No, uh, anymore. Oh, but it's oh. the N word is that T word ten years ago. 
<laughs> I was when when um, when the NFT craze hit Clubhouse fully. I, I was joking that we were going to hold a room, call it uh, we were going to call it uh, never NFTs, never fear transmedia, uh, just because that way we would get more people coming in thinking they were going to talk about NFTs because that's all anyone on Clubhouse was talking about for like two weeks. Um, so the, the okay, so you feel like it's 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 hit. It's, I was, cause I'm wondering like, you know, is this an inflection point where people are, you think people are getting serious about looking at these platforms and looking at interoperability between platforms or are they just kind of glomming onto this word because they want to give uh, a hot name to their, their platform because they want it to be like all inclusive for everybody. Cause like there's, I see people using it two ways. One where it's like our platform is a metaverse and then other people talking about the metaverse as being something that you know, there's interoperability between platforms. Mm-hmm. There's there's transferability of assets. Um, and, and sometimes you get the same people kind of using them interchangeably this way. So yeah, like what's what's your what's your feeling on where the industry's at with the concept and term? Um well I think you know the the brand that was trying to own it, um that was ahead of its time uh, was Magic Leap as a term that that, was, that described their thing. I think I don't think that it's any one person's uh, business or platform or company. I think the metaverse is the oasis in Ready Player One. The good side, if nobody's read it, it's not the non-dystopian part of Ready Player One. It's like the promise of what virtual can offer and these different worlds and these different universes that exist and these different platforms are going to provide different experiences and not everyone has the same flavor or is for the same person but i think there needs to be some interconnectedness not always interrupt you know and (laughs) always have to operate together but um but like i think some level of portability potentially uh avatar portability would be a great thing you know certain aspects of your your profile your person being able to be consistent across these different places um that'd be cool um i don't think anyone should try and own the metaverse i don't think that's i think that's that's um that's just wrong (laughs) it's a it's like the galaxy it's like the universe it's um it's it's the potential all the platforms and just having bridges to them it's like disneyland the world is all these different ones you can get to all of them very different very different you know rides very different brands very different audiences um I think that's going to be when it gets right, when it's cool. And yeah, yeah and NFTs or blockchain will be a form of currency that, that supports across. It's like Club Med Beads, if anyone <laughs> remembers this, not to age myself. But it's like, you know, this one thing is, is the same value no matter where I'm at, and I can spend it in, in, I can spend it in the same way. Yeah. Um, I think that's going to get, that's when it gets really interesting, and that then applies to the real world, the metaverse that integrates into the real world in a, in a way that's relevant, not scary, and not taking us into dystopian. No, we're not now living just in technology. I think it's really important to have a grounding in the real space. It's it's been funny to watch just the way the way the internet has impacted our culture and and sort of like sort of folded it back on itself, right? Like, you know, in, in the nineties, screens are how we escaped reality. Now reality is how we escape our screens. And this, this, this fruition of it's, it's almost like 
when the metaverse was to come, when when the idea of like you know a nav a a, a spatial navigable cyberspace, right? You know something that reflected and had some interoperability and portability to it. Like I always thought it was going to be because the stories were being told at the time, it was it was going to be like you know coming out of the digital tradition more than anything, and 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 yet right now it almost feels like it is a reaction to the digital tradition because of just how flattened or like some people put so much of themselves into their into their digital identity, and yet the place where we're free from that is either the real world or these fully built out spatial digital worlds. And people go find ways to express themselves, and that we're we're starting out this moment of 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 the possibility of of a, of you know whatever the metaverse winds up being called. It still gets called the metaverse, where there is some radical self expression that's at the core of it. It is about people trying to find ways to express themselves and not just get shoved down into you know a tweet or a Facebook post. Right. There's right. this there's a little bit of anarchic energy going on, which is why BRC VR being, you know, the thing that won that won the PGA Innovation Award this year and the thing that last year was the most connected I managed to feel all last summer mm-hmm. with other with my real friends, because we mm-hmm. all went in there. Mm-hmm. Is is like it's not it's not it hasn't been flattened out yet. <laughs> no, it's it's not dead yet. <laughs> Kind of no, I mean, yeah. no, no, no. I don't think it is at all, and I don't. I think it's just beginning. I do think you know there's a fine line. Mm. We all have to be careful of that. I, that's why I think always grounding in reality and having. And I don't mean you can't have fantastical storytelling experience throughout, but you know it helps to like just even just an event like showing up and landing in a traditional lobby of a venue before you walk through the doors and suddenly it's something completely different or the show starts and then it transforms. I think helping having some layer of reality is important. And that reality also means having a foot in the real world too, not just sitting at home doing this. This shouldn't be a replacement. I mean, it definitely, if somebody's inaccessibility, like if from a physical impairment or something else or whatever it is, it's preventing. And then yes, absolutely. But shouldn't replace going out and being social physically either once we can again and yeah. you know <laughs> at what i mean cdc is just you know sorry we're just about to ramble off not not necessary <laughs> not even like it's for a, this podcast it's okay <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's last week was a ride with certain news so <laughs> i'm very glad i'm a californian and i'm just gonna say that much it's like we see I, I, I know me too and i'm like you know, I want to make all these rules for the Unreal Garden. And then, you know, I, I was at the airport the other day. I was in Mexico last week. I, you know, I came back and I heard some guy go, you know, someone's like, put your mask on. And this guy's like, well, the CDC just ruled. I don't have to if I'm vaccinated. You know, that's like that kind of thing. Yeah. I'm going to, it's curious what's going to happen because as a business owner, I want to be responsible to my patrons and my staff and everyone else. And we're not over it yet. No. You know, and and is that going to piss people off and hurt them for coming in? Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, you know, just because the CDC said it doesn't mean like we have to do it. And then everyone gets where's ground zero for everyone being sick, you know? Yeah. No, it's it's something that like particularly, you know, I mean, when that news hit, 
you know, some, some folks in the community got very, very excited. And I think on a, on a personal level, I think it's great. It's like, oh yeah, this is wonderful on a personal level on a, on a, on a professional level, on a community level. It's, it's, it's a real complication because once again, you know, the responsibility for, you know, enforcing safety is being put on the back of someone who's, you know, probably not making a lot of money in like in any given space and that we can't seem to focus on that the messaging has never been that the mask isn't about protecting you it's about protecting others Mm -hmm. and yes if you're vaccinated i mean i'm still when i'm inside and other than being a law like i'm totally fine to be wearing my mask while i'm inside because it signals to everyone else hey you don't know I could be one of those anti-vax people, <laughs> but was nice enough to wear a mask. So probably not. But like, just you just you don't know who's at what level, or if their vaccine is worn off, or whatever the heck it might be. So why not protect everybody else? Like, it's not a. I don't know. I've never understood yeah. why everyone's like freaked out about the mask. It's like it's easy. The, most of the rest of the world does it without without even complaining at all. You know. Um, yeah, it's, it's the, you know, result of democracy, I guess. It's like, you know, and there's a lot of democratic states in Europe, but they're still like all under some strict mandates. I mean, I think there's a fine line again, but I think you just nailed it. And I'm sorry to be the naysayer, like people are shit. They're not. People are amazing. The, the world and humankind has so much potential. Unfortunately, we've gotten into this habit of, thinking of self first so i'm not necessarily thinking of someone else i'm thinking to me it's like oh it's not a problem for me so i, I don't mean me i'm not thinking right. about this before coming after me but it's like you know it's sometimes the thing you're thinking well why isn't it it should be simple I'm, it's about somebody else but that would require people thinking about others right first we mm-hmm. haven't we've been we've been not we've been trained not to think this way for a long time. So this is my hope with immersive tech can start to have that transformational um, results in, in being able to help people shift mindset and, and start to care about the world around them and, and each other, because we have some, we have some scary data. <laughs> like, you know, we're, we're acting like the pandemic's a problem. What about 10 years from now, David Attenborough's estimation of where the world's going to be, the earth is going to be. I mean, this is all very scary stuff. Well, yeah. So, um, well, I mean, I think we, yeah. Oh, go for it. No, please. Oh, I was just going to say, like, you know, to, to, to that point, you know, I always think that the, that sort of, you know, Kent By loves to, you know, ask, like, you know, so what do you think the ultimate uh, potential of VR is? And, and in my sort of thought on what, what the, the heart of all this immersive stuff is, is because it invites you into, it lets you know that there's more than one way of looking at a, a, a given space, you know, like the, the act of going through a sleep no more and getting out the other end mm-hmm. and then trading mm-hmm. notes with a friend. Did you see that? No. What was this about? Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. And, and then you start to piece together the world, even this fictional world is more complicated than you first realized or being able to put you, the thing that I got excited about the first, in the first place was being able to drop someone into a, another person's perspective. I, I love things like, you know, the, the, the narrative technique that's used in Half-Life Alex or used in, um, Tales from the Galaxy's Edge, like the, the High Republic part of it, where, you know, you're embodying another character, you're hearing their voice in your head, 
you're starting to see the world through their eyes and all the stuff you can do with that, all the, all the documentaries that do that. And, and yes, it's, it's manipulation in the Spielbergian sense. Uh, so is any story to some degree, but that it invites you or, or it, it, it almost is like the most compelling thing you can do with these tools is invite someone to step out of their skin and into a different frame, into a role that they don't normally play and start to understand how that role is, is different from their role in life and, and vice versa and, and all the other complexities that come with it and hopefully get through the other side and start to appreciate and, and value the complexity of, of humanity and not just be like me, I'm the protagonist. <laughs> you know? right. um, yeah. Yeah. That's a, it's a really good point. And, and the power of storytelling, the power of immersive tech, we have the power as through these mediums to, to like and use entertainment as that Trojan horse in, right? It doesn't have to be a serious thing, but you're learning and you're like, oh, um, you know, you play all the roles, like you just said, not just the protagonist. Um, it's, it's so exciting. Um, slightly off topic, but related sort of, we're talking about, you know, playing roles in theater. It's like, um, Little sad that this weekend is its last uh, run in VR, but um, Adventure Labs, Dr. Crumb's VR escape room. Have you have you played that? I did. I got uh, when they were before they came out of their private beta. I got to play. Right. I got to play yeah. that. The, and, well, this this weekend is the last, and I think it's worth getting everyone in and having a blast and run around. Um, share that i just wanted to say that aloud i think that was they did that so well i'm really sad i think i again it's really hard to scale that in vr right now but it's um i'm excited to see what they bring up next well and and i think there's definitely there's something there in what they've built as as a potential for like a platform like i always thought that the destiny of that was going to be you know, and, and, and part of it's because, you know, there's only so many headsets out in the world, but, but like being able to like get other creators in to make stuff with, with their tool set. And there's just, there's a, I mean, there's a universe of escape rooms out there and there's, there's definitely ways in which, you know, the digital side of the stuff can scale. It's like with Burning Man, the digital side of this can scale the live and the designs in the live far beyond what the physical stuff can do. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like that's, that's where things will, will that's, that's almost like the, <laughs> that's, that's the, the sea level. That's what everything's racing down to, right? Like it'll, we'll, we'll get there. Sometimes things are just a little bit ahead of the curve. Right? Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. I know that. And it's kind of, that's great. It's exciting to know that because that just means there's so much room for this improvement and more. Um, and we're moving really slowly, <laughs> given how the speed of tech moves really fast. It's it's a very it's a strange um, juxtaposition right now of being like, okay, things have evolved really a lot in the last twelve months, and yet we're still moving really slowly. Yeah, considering. <laughs> well, we can all blame it on the chip shortage. So <laughs> something we haven't yeah. been able to do. Yeah. This is because of the chip shortage. We're, we're going to be fine in two years. We just got to get those production <laughs> lines up. You know, don't worry right. about them. Don't look at the numbers. Don't look at the numbers. Uh, yep, yep, you're <laughs> chip right. Chip shortage. Right, yep. Chip shortage. 
<laughs> oh my god it's, yeah it's so it's brilliant yeah um how's that five nanometer process going not there yet great <laughs> we need some more we need, we need some more runway take cash. your time you know yeah <laughs> we'll keep designing you know so um, you want a triple a experience give us triple a video game time so that means i need two years to noodle on this so uh, yeah, right exactly no 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 i'm sort of saying it's like hey guys no no we can't wait for perfection let's start getting things out yeah. you know just communicate make it closed events hey you're a beta group or you're you know soft launch or whatever but like we can you do in the real world but we gotta we gotta start testing stuff and getting it out there well i mean it's it's been nice to see how how okay it's it's almost certainly a distorted view because of where you know i sit in 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 the universe but i take some heart in watching the pga you know give the award to brcbr to mm-hmm. tribeca tapping folks who are do, working in vr but who are like adapting what was a immersive theater play in los angeles or um Oh gosh, there was something. There's even something else today. Or like, um, you know, Book of Distance won a Webby Award, and and then an Audience Award was given to the 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 show from the Geffen Stayhouse that Helder's doing, mm-hmm. you know, which is a which is mm-hmm. Zoom based, but that you know people are connecting with the material, and mm-hmm. cultural institutions are are recognizing that there's value here, and and they're they're asking themselves like, well, how can we, how can we keep this up? You know, there's a, there's a lot of cultural institutions that just connected with audiences that they never had before because of pandemic. And I know their development directors don't want to give that up Mm-mm. at all. Crazy. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's great. It's great. It's also great to see folks who are, um, We've been doing this in the real world, adapt it so well to the digital world. I was just uh, thinking about like Swamp Motel mm. and some of those um, productions. Yeah, and, that, and I, no one, no one's here. Everyone ignored the next three seconds. Yeah, from what I hear, like that's going to be a lot more accessible and uh, here in the states, not too long. So yes, um, yes. again, but no I one heard you. that. I did not say that. Nope. I didn't say anything. I didn't hear anything. Who are you? Uh, what? How did what, we end up on this call? I don't know. Oops. Live. Um, yeah. Uh, this is this is great, though. It's always great to catch up with you. We shouldn't do this so long in between, though. I mean, yeah. this is great. And no. let's do more. <laughs> yes, more. more I'll turn. I'll turn. I'll turn the mic off in a second, and then like we'll 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 talk some maybe some logistics around around those very topics. But otherwise, we'd start like giving away giving away not trade secrets, but like personal location oh, totally. data. <laughs> so totally. Let's hold off on that. Um, but Layla, yeah, this is this is really good. And um, yeah, really thanks, good. Thank you. Thanks for the trip. I remember our first one, like. Four years, three years ago, I was in Wonder recording this. Um, yeah. I feel like it was with you, wasn't it with you? I feel like it was with you. We've had a lot of these. We've had a couple of these. <laughs> now you can all tell my exaggeration. <laughs> Two equals a lot. <laughs> it's it's been. I mean, it was. I think yeah. I think it was around like IDS two. I think I think it was the um, 
the the when the the stage thing like the the day after but there was also like we were talking in inside oh no there was that but i feel like yeah. before that was uh we had a podcast so um, probably, i feel like i was at something with that probably was i uh, we this is number 295 <laughs> okay. so well, i yeah, I, I can't remember we've doing i've been doing this for 6 years i <laughs> you're amazing i couldn't believe that the the, the uh, no pro for kids indoors like just hit 50 or something like oh, sessions like that but that's like that's that's actually a set everyone's like oh congratulations and i'm like oh no that just means we've been doing 50 weeks of we're all stuck inside <laughs> yeah no i know but, yeah. no, but i mean still you've you've been consistent with it and not been like still, we're still stuck inside forget yeah. this <laughs> yeah well you know, at least you're still doing it not everyone has continued oh it's really. it's true well i i made i made a bet <laughs> <laughs> I made I made a decision to like you know go full time into this like you know uh, almost a year to the day before the pandemic started so like what I don't have a choice like I'm here and not not that I would choose otherwise but it's definitely something where I'm just like all yeah if everyone thinking like oh no one's gonna give up it's like all and do what <laughs> there's like nothing else to do but what's what's kind of actually what's interesting about this particular moment is as everything starts to come back. You know, not everything, but it's a lot of stuff starts to come back IRL. We've still got this URL life happening, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's it's really it's a really interesting moment. I don't entirely know which way things are going to go, and there's there's some dread in there, but there's but more and more I'm getting excited. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think so, but it's one way. At least, if nothing else, it's a way to stay engaged with community in between these things or to connect with a larger community. Um, I, I really think if it's done right, it's like how video games was about 10 years ago before social media, I don't even know what year we are. Yeah, about maybe like 13 years ago when before social media sort of disseminated community, like made it easier to reach people. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's about having these platforms to create community and connection points. I think that the human side of it will still ex- drive it, I think, I hope. Yeah. No, I, I think I think you're right about that analogy. That immersive sort of where, on a cultural, on a cultural cohesion level, immersive sort of where gaming was like before, kind of the 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 next transformation happened. Yeah, like it was like lots of little communities before there was like oh an awareness that this is mm-hmm. one big thing. Mm-hmm. So that's something for me to noodle, noodle on. All right. Um, Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Once again, I want to thank Layla for being our guest on the show. You can also connect with her via meshconnects.com, which is a immersive LBE consultancy Uh, which she is a partner in. All right. I'm going to take a couple of minutes here of your day. Uh, Not, not to go on a kind of giant rant. Uh, I I don't have, I don't have anything buzzing in my head too much right now, mostly because I'm pretty excited about just the the direction things are going in. Um, uh, Day by day, uh, it feels like we are on a good track, right? Like 
the 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 saddest numbers are way down like we we hit a last just last night i think i got saw that we had um the lowest number of daily deaths from covid since march of last year um that were were under 500 for a day for the first time it's still way more than there ever should have been um but it's just really nice to know that we're coming out of this at least here in the states i know that the rest of the the rest of the world hell there are members of the team out in other countries who are, are you know they still haven't gotten their jabs yet um it, it, the future the present the present even is un, unevenly distributed let alone the future but it it does mean that we are you know tacking and making a lot of adjustments uh for um to to get back into the swing of uh you know covering live events and this new hybrid going forward and expand, trying to expand what we do as much as possible. It also means uh, getting smarter uh, about what we do, right? You know, the old Scrooge McDuck, you know, we love our DuckTales uh, line, you know, work smarter, not harder. So to that end, you will be seeing some changes uh, in the programming over the next couple of months. Uh, For starters, uh, we're getting an indoor kids newsletter out this week, but there will be none next week. We're going to take Memorial Day weekend off um, and we're going to come back the next week. And when we do, uh, the L.A. and New York newsletters are returning. They're coming back. New York in particular has a lot of stuff going on right now, as it always has, uh, just sheer volume. Uh, and we're still sussing out, like, will the North American come back and also have the online stuff? Or will there be, like, a separate online thing? Because that's kind of global. So, you know, we're figuring that out at the moment. Um, I'm trying to not do... not Try not to overload myself by making newsletters because they take a lot of time. Um, and there's a lot of stuff that needs editing and doing, and there's, uh, you know, we're coming up on a really big anniversary for the podcast. Uh, we're going to have our 300th episode. This is episode 295. So in just a few weeks here, we're going to come up on that milestone. And once we do that, we're going to pause for a second and, uh, you know, after six years of doing the show, the way we've been doing the show, uh, we're going to make some some changes, um, some pretty significant changes. Uh, we'll detail those as we get a little closer because we're still nailing down a few things. Uh, but we're already working on that uh, because the last thing I want to do is make uh, some big changes in an abrupt fashion. What's great is we've got some incredible interviews coming up between now and that point. And of course the 300th episode is going to be like a big team thing and a big celebration. Uh, and then we're going to take a pause, uh, right around just for like a week. There'll be a little thing coming out on the 4th of July weekend. And then we'll be in a, in an all new way. And I'm, I'm getting increasingly excited about, about, the prospect of this. Um, it'll make more sense soon. Sorry to be a tease. Uh, no, I'm not. I love teasing. Um, I love nothing more than a movie trailer. L- literally, I love nothing more than movie trailers. Uh, movies are always disappointing, but trailers, oh my God, they're incredible. Uh, <laughs> it's not always true, but it's usually true, which is the sad part. Um, okay, so that's what's up with that. Um, there's... Uh, this forum coming up on Tuesday, uh, if you're still sticking around at this point, you, you're, you're 
definitely one of our people. Um, t- totally worth it. I know it's it's a little bit hard to like sell everybody on uh, come through to the work of an artist who maybe you've seen, maybe you haven't. Uh, but let me tell you, uh, Corinne thinks about this stuff in a fantastic way. And just from like the word jump, when I saw, uh, when I saw her choreography, when I saw this other way she was approaching participation, uh, for the audience members and issues of like, you know, letting people signal that they were willing to be participants, there's just a thought process going on that is fantastic. And also just on a level of her choreography, because uh, I don't know if people know this, but like like my mom, like part of her story, and part of the tragedy of it all, uh, is she she was a trained choreographer. Um, that, was, that was her chosen career path before sort of life interfered. But some of my early days, uh, by early days, I mean kindergarten time, was spent in the dance studio um, just kind of absorbing the work she was doing and sort of understanding what it meant to choreograph a piece. So I've always been, you know, even in spite of myself at times, very deeply interested in dance and dance theater and the kinesthetics of, you know, narrative and experience making. So, and and there's, even just seeing like who's going to be showing up, there's other folks who are coming to the forum and the forum's you know going to be a discussion with everybody uh, who are in it, you know of a similar mode. I don't want to just in case someone doesn't show up. I don't be like, oh yeah, so and so bought a ticket. But like that kind of those are the kind of people who are buying the tickets. So if that's the kind of stuff that you're interested in, I highly encourage. Or if you know a friend uh, and that's their jam, I highly encourage. Uh, check out the columns, come through, talk, uh, and and you know there's. The columns talk about onboarding and they talk about physicalizing things and they talk about accessibility. So if you're a creator, there's there's something for everybody in there. And this is a discussion forum. So come on through on Tuesday. This is not the last time we're going to do something like this. In fact, really, it's the first time we're going to do something like this because I'm trying to make sure that we you know, honor the work that goes into this kind of feature writing that's happening and honor the work that the team is doing by giving it some room to breathe. Uh, so we're experimenting with this form. Uh, more and more. Um, yeah, uh, we're also going to uh, next week announce the date. Oh, you know, I'll give a preview right now. I just set it down in the calendar. Um, something that kind of drives us a little bit nuts behind the scenes here is, you know, uh, we love we love all of our creators. We love you so much, and and so many of you do not know the basics of pitching. Um, uh, we're gonna do a basics of PR and pitching event uh, on Monday, the fourteenth. It'll be in the evening. Um, it'll probably be around six o'clock or so. This will be free. Um, again, it'll be ticketed but free. We'll have a number of slots. It'll be recorded and uh, put behind the paywall. Uh, the recording. Uh, but you do not need to be a backer to come to this thing. And probably about 90 minutes or so with about 30 minutes worth of just fundamentals of PR stuff, like of pitching the press. We've done this before. Uh, 
you know, uh, a number of times in person. Uh, we've done it with friends. This will probably, this time out may just be me doing the breakdown on it, but we'll go over the absolute bare bones stuff that you need uh, and what's going to make it easier to uh, get not just us here at NoPro and EI to like act on things, but probably any not even probably, definitely any journalist to do that. Because we know that a lot of you can't afford to hire PR people. Uh, but we're going to go over some of the fundamentals just to, to make it easier. Um, and after that, uh, about half hour of that, uh, we'll also do a breakdown about posting to the Everything Immersive site. Uh, so I'll do a quick screen demo of just how someone just goes through that. And then we'll have plenty of room for questions. Um, if we can help you uh, do that part of the thing better, then that's not going to make our jobs easier because there's often just stuff that we need in order to make a decision or just assets we need to have access to and all of that sort of stuff and kind of the whys and concepts like embargoes and other things that can help you get the word out in a way that's painless uh, for all of us because we don't want to turn you down and we don't want to say no and we don't want to go like, ah, like we're overloaded right now. Like, uh, so we want to, we want to help you understand what our process is and just, you know, and, and what the process for a lot of publications are. And increasingly in this media landscape, we have small overworked teams, sometimes of volunteers, sometimes of like really low paid folks doing this stuff and getting just inundated, inundated with press releases and requests for coverage. And it's not just us. And... If we can give you some tips and tricks and some of the basics just to make it easier uh, for those folks, then we're also going to be making it, getting people more likely to give you that coverage that you're looking for. Uh, so all of that, we're going to, not all, of, I mean, yeah, a good chunk of that, we're going to go over on that day on the 14th. So again, if you're just a fan, if you're not a creator, um, Tell the creators you know and love uh, that that's happening. Uh, there will be links up next week. All right. That's enough for now. That's what's going on. Uh, those of you who have uh, who are part of the process of uh, uh, Leia, uh, there's going to be some emails going out uh, this week. And uh, as we're uh, looking to have uh, the, the first in-person gathering in a long time, uh, and that process is continuing. And uh, next month, uh, hopefully, uh, some announcements about the Summit and Festival. We already know the dates, 7th, 8th, 9th of January next year. But we're getting closer uh, to, uh, you know, doing some of our fundraising stuff and uh, announcing uh, uh, some, some parts of programming uh, that we're going to be excited to be partnering with people on. So that's coming together. It's going to be fun. And uh, yeah, we're here. It's all happening. Let's do the credits and then let's do the real close of the show. I think you know what I mean. Let's do this part. All right. So music 
for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. The sustaining backers of No Persinium are Mark Baltazar, Jan Budman, Paul F., Sidney Guillory, Lonnie Hanson, Ari Hurston, Emily Gillette, Samuel Mustry, Brittany, and Elaine. You can join them at patreon.com slash no proscenium. My name is Noah Nelson, and until next time, I'll see you at the show.